We're reading from Matthew 23, verses 1 to 22. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and tassels. I gotta stop right there. My wife says, you're running to the computer room. What are you doing? I says, I'm looking up the word phylacteries. What in the world is that? Well, you may have seen some Jewish people that wear those little cubes made out of leather, about two inches by two inches, and they have the rabbis have that on their head, and then they wind it and they have it on their on their uh, hands as well. It contains Hebrew text, scripture, or whatever. So that's what a phylactery is. So it says here they make them wide. And the tassel's probably 10 feet long just to make uh, themselves look good. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers, and do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and for those who humble themselves will be exalted. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Woe to you, blind guides, you say. If anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by that oath. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the gift on the altar is bound by the oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and by the one who dwells in it. And anyone who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. So far the reading of the word. The rest of the news is in the uh, bullet. Well, if you take out your Bible with me, please, and turn to Matthew 23. passage is also in your bulletin. And uh, this is a two-part message, and uh, the title is don't Be Real, Don't Be a Hypocrite. Be real, don't be a hypocrite. And notice with me verse 1. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. 
And uh, today I want to cover eight points uh, down through verse, uh, verse 22, and next week we will finish the chapter. Um, you notice that he is speaking to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, or if you have an old Bible, the scribes and the Pharisees. And the scribes are literally the writers and those who write the law. And they are the scholars, and the Pharisees are the most religious individuals who are very uh, strict about keeping the law and about uh, requiring others to do so. Um, since the 1970s, most scholars in the world do not believe what the New Testament says about Pharisees. Uh, most scholars in the world think the Pharisees were good and good practicing people, good religious people, and just like the Jews of today. That's modern scholarship since the 1970s. They don't believe the New Testament and what Jesus has to say. Uh, the reason for that is they read Josephus. And Josephus is a writer who lived in the first century and uh, around the time of 70 A.D., he was actually a Roman general. And he was a Roman general in Galilee. And uh, he got defeated by the Romans, and he got captured. And guess what? He decided the Romans were right. And he was a former Pharisee himself. And so he wrote uh, important books about the history of the Jews and about what Jews are like. And he wrote these books to the Romans so the Romans would understand Jews and like them. And so today, scholars believe Josephus and what he says about Pharisees. They don't believe Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Paul. Now, by the way, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Paul all wrote in the first century. No doubt about it. Those are all first century documents. However, they like Josephus rather than your Bible. Um, uh, to them, I would say this. It seems to me that there's a reason why Jesus goes to the cross. He's not put on the cross because the religious leaders of the day are good people. He goes to the cross because underneath they are mad, they are angry, and they will kill him even if they have to lie to do it. That's the New Testament witness. They are hypocrites. Uh, you'll see that more as we go along. Um, first point. Religious hypocrites say all the right things, but they don't do them. So you can listen to what they say. Just don't do what they do. You can't do what they do. And I wrote in my margin, I said, it's easy to say, but it's hard to do. It's easy to say, here's what you should be doing, but to put it into practice in your life, that's a different story. The hypocrite makes a very poor example for others. Uh, the Pharisees were those who uh, took the law and put it into practice in their life, and then they came up with extra things to put into practice so that 
they would be sure that they kept the law. And the scribes were those who were the scholars of the day. Now the scribes and the Pharisees have done a great thing for us. Uh, this is my Hebrew Bible. Uh, Biblia Hebraica Stuttgartensia comes from Germany. And uh, this Bible, uh, I can thank the scribes of Jesus' day for us to have this Bible today. They were very careful in how they copied the scriptures, and we have this today because of the scribes. Secondly, my Bible has vowels in it. Uh, modern Hebrew is written without vowels, and ancient Hebrew is written without vowels. But at some point, the successors to the Pharisees decided if we don't put vowels in the text, we will learn how we will lose how to say it and what it means. And so around 200 AD, they put those vowels in the text. Those are the successors to the Pharisees. So we have a lot to be thankful to the scribes and the Pharisees for. We have Moses today because of them. But Jesus would say, do what they say, read their Bible, just don't do what they do. Um, how does this apply to your life and my life? When you spend your time and energy rehearsing what you're going to say, Rather than in putting your energy into what you will do, you're in danger of being a hypocrite. When you spend your time and energy thinking of what you will say and how you will say it and what you need to tell people, rather than in what you will do for them or do with them, you may be a hypocrite. There's a real danger of following hypocrites when you take in their teaching through media, such as TV, radio, books, those media that separates the hearer from the listener, you have no idea how they live their lives. You don't know what they do. Beware the scribes and Pharisees today. The scribes are the scholars. And there are two kinds of scholars in biblical circles. There are scholars who believe in God, and the Bible is the word of God. A lot of New Testament scholars and Old Testament scholars do not believe God exists. Strange. Bizarre. Those are the ones that get quoted in the newspaper. <laughs> Can you imagine? You don't even believe God exists, and your job is to teach the Bible. That's not unusual. Universities are full of them. I feel, I, feel, I feel quite sad for these individuals that they've devoted their lives to studying Hebrew or studying Greek and teaching Old Testament and New Testament and they don't believe God exists and they don't believe it's true. What could be sadder than that? And yet they're listened to and they're quoted. And I think what they're doing, what they, the, what, the, the, way they, the way they justify uh, their teaching is they exalt their ideas and they exalt themselves because they can't exalt God. So they exalt their ideas and they, and, they, and they want you to know how smart they are. And they want you to buy into their ideas, but you can't practice what they're preaching. 
because they're not telling you anything. The biblical scholar, on the other hand, who believes in God is trying to exalt and magnify God. Trying to get you to believe in Jesus Christ. To put him first in your life. Now, the scholars of Jesus' day, they believed in God, yes. But their problem was a different one. They did not focus on relationship with God. They focused on achievements and practice. When my relationship with my Father, and when my relationship with my Lord Jesus, and my relationship with my Counselor, the Holy Spirit, when that is secondary and it becomes secondary to what I'm trying to do and how I'm trying to look, I'm going to be a hypocrite. When I was in Bible college, we had a very famous, uh, very famous commentator come and speak at the Bible college. And I brought his book. He wrote a lot of books called Exploring. This one's Exploring Romans. Sam Carr probably knows, knows Mr. Phillips. Very famous series. And, oh, I was so excited when John Phillips came to speak to us. And because uh, I, had, I had his book. I don't think I got him to sign it. No, I didn't. I should have got him to sign the book. I was so excited that he came. And then he also came to preach at my church. And I was dating Joanne at the time. And uh, Joanne's dad was the pastor of the church. And so he invited the guy to come back to the house for lunch. So we went back to Joanne's house for a roast beef dinner. It was the most disappointing dinner of my life. The roast beef was perfect. <laughs> the roast beef and the potatoes cooked with the beef and the carrots and with the roast beef. Oh, very good. Homemade dessert afterwards. Uh, the food was fantastic. Mr. Phillips sat across the table from me. And I thought this will be scintillating conversation. Terrible conversation. You would ask him a question, you'd get a one-word answer. <laughs> and I thought to myself, oh, goodness, what's wrong with this guy? And I'm just a kid. I don't know what I would, maybe, I don't know what I did. 19, 20 years old, I don't know what I would have been. Uh, how disappointing that you could be this bright scholar, write books for people to read, and yet when someone meets you, they come away thinking, he doesn't care about anybody, he's lost in his own little world, he doesn't really love people, he just loves getting up in front of people. I thought, how sad. It's a hypocrite. You're saying things and you're not living them out. Second, from verse 4, they are binding heavy burdens and hard-to-bear things, and they place them on the shoulders of men, but they themselves with their finger are not willing to move them. What you should see, point number two, religious hypocrites are really concerned that others do all the right things. They are less concerned with spending time and develop, developing relationships with others to help them do the right things. Notice the hypocrites. They don't lift a finger to help. Here's what you should be doing, and you place it on someone's shoulders. It's so heavy, right? It's got to go on the shoulders, and you can hardly carry it. And what do they do to help you? They won't even move their finger to help you. 
because they don't care about you. It's like your sole purpose in life is to come up with rules for people to follow, and it's not their role to help you, support you, to help you live life well. Remember golfing in the park one day out at Mike Weir Park, and this was before it was Mike Weir Park. I was new to Sarnia, and so I was out golfing in the park, and someone came by with their dog, and they said to me, you're not allowed to be golfing here. I said, thanks, I know that. I kept on golfing anyway. And I said, I saw a sign over there that said dogs have to be on a leash. And they were walking their dog without a leash. They said, yeah, I know that. But my dog is friendly. By the way, that is hypocrisy. I only care that you follow the rules. <laughs> and I will decide if I will follow the rules and how I will follow them. But here's the worst part. Shouldn't I have had a relationship with that person? You see how... If you're a hypocrite, your idea is, here's the rules for you. Let me explain the rules to you. Like that's what you need to know. And relationship doesn't even come into the picture. That's secondary. That's the religious leaders. As I, uh, I, 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 I read the scholars who, who say the, the Pharisees were good people, and I'd like to say to them, I go... I've never read anything from the Talmud or the Mishnah about how you're supposed to be kind and nice to prostitutes. Never read that. You read it in the New Testament. Right? Jesus ate with them. That's hypocrisy. By the way, the secular scholars hate Matthew 23. They say it's the worst chapter in the book of Matthew because Jesus is so hard on these religious leaders. He's so unkind and unloving. And I go on, no, this is very kind and loving because Jesus is different than you and I. Jesus can actually see into someone's heart and know exactly what's wrong. And he is being loving by telling them, listen, this is what's wrong, and you're in danger. Use Jason as an illustration. Jason came to me right before church. I'm sorry, Jason, to use you. But and Jason said to me, Pastor, he said, he said, I have a problem reading the New Testament. He said, it seems to me like the New Testament has a lot of condemnation and not a lot of encouragement. And I said to him, I said, Jason, I said, I would read it this way, that when Jesus tells you warnings, don't look at that as a negative thing. I said, if you were going to go and you were going to swim across Lake Huron, I would say to you, that's very dangerous. You could die if you try to swim across Lake Huron. Now, you might think that that's condemnation because I'm telling you you're going to die. Listen, I think it's loving. That's warning. And I said to Jason, I said, imagine if you have a gas stove and you're in your house and you smell natural gas. 
you know what you should do? Get out of the house and phone 911 because you might die. That's loving. And Jesus is loving these men while he's condemning them because they are in danger thinking that they're right with God but it's all a sham because it's not touching their heart and they have no love of God they have a love of the rules but the love of the Father is not there point number three Religious hypocrites do what they do to be seen. Their purpose is to be seen by people. It comes from verse 5. They do all their works for the purpose of being seen by men. They make, the, they make their phylacteries wide and make their tassels long. Old Testament law said, Jesus said, uh, the law said, to bind these on your forehead. And so they took it very literally that they took the laws and they put them in the little, the little leather box and they put them right on their forehead. What the law meant was put them into practice. Do them. And that was their way of doing it. You put the little box on your forehead. Everyone knew who was a serious religious Jew because you would see the phylactery right there on their head. They show up or you would see it right there on their wrist, and you would think to yourself, wow, they must be really religious people, because, look, I can see them. And they make their tassels long. The corners of garments were, su were supposed to be left unfinished so that you would have some threads hanging out. All Jews were supposed to do that. Uh, maybe the idea was is that you're not supposed to be like everybody else. That's one thing. And secondly, we're not huge into fashion. Your life should not be about what's the latest thing coming off the French runway. I gotta have it. So you don't even finish your garments. But what they did in Jesus' day was they deliberately made those little things hanging off the corners of their garments extra long so that everyone could see, hey, he's a really religious person. Look how long their tassels are. And Jesus says they do all their works for the purpose of being seen. Now there's real danger here because Jesus tells us, let your light shine before men that they may see Blank, blank, blank. <laughs> your good works or your good deeds. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Okay, that's in the Bible, you guys. Sermon on the Mount, you should know that. Right? Let your deeds be seen by men so that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let your light so shine. If you're going to follow Jesus, your life will be full of good deeds. In fact, it must be full of good deeds. 
and people will see your good deeds. That's not a bad thing. It's a very good thing. But the issue is your heart. If your heart is off, the congratulations you receive become an impetus to do more. Oh, they loved me so much because I helped them. I'm going to help somebody tomorrow. Whether you are pleasing God or men, only Jesus really knows. You might have even fooled yourself. And then whether you choose only the flashy good deeds and ignore the quiet, unseen good deeds, only Jesus knows. But you are a hypocrite when your actions change, when people are not looking. You're a hypocrite when your behavior becomes meaningless without people watching you. Be real. Don't be a hypocrite. I think the number one reason why people stay away from church is because of hypocrites. In fact, that's what they say is the number one reason. It's not that they don't believe. They wouldn't say that's the number one reason, although that might be the number one reason. They would say it's the people in the church. That's why they don't go. And so Paul says, let your love be real. Let your love be without hypocrisy. Romans chapter 12. Point number four. Religious hypocrites love to have titles that give them importance. Notice they love the first place of honor at dinners and the first seats in the synagogues. The first seats in the synagogues is when you go into the synagogue and you're sitting down and you face the front and the most important people look sit to look at the congregation. Kind of like when I was a boy and I went to church, the most important people in the church sat on a platform. Do you remember those days? Did you go to a church like that? There'd be like the five most important people. They sat on the platform. The rest of us sat down in the, in the audience. The Pharisees loved to be on the platform. They loved to have people call them rabbi. My teacher. They love to have people call them father or instructor or teacher. They love titles that give them importance. Um, I would encourage you that uh, if you use a title for me, my title is pastor, but it's only here at church. You meet me on the street, I'm Dave. That's not disrespectful. Dave or Ben, if you, forget, if you forget, I'm Dave. I have two first names. I was seeing Wilson Robinson in the hospital yesterday. He has two last names. Wilson Robinson. Uh, I'm, I'm pastor at church. Sign of respect for when we're at church. Outside of church, I'm Dave. Okay? And that's just trying to put this into practice. Right? We're not here for titles, and we're not here to say somebody's better than somebody else because we don't want to be like Pharisees. Number five, religious hypocrites avoid serving others and instead exalt themselves. Verse 11, the greatest of you will be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Don't lift yourself up. Don't live for yourself. Become a servant of others. Point number six. 
Religious hypocrites divert people from heaven. Verse 13. Now, woe to you. And there are seven woes. Woe to you. You're in a dangerous place, scribes and Pharisees. It's going to be terrible for you. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Because you shut the kingdom of heaven before men, you are not entering in. Neither do you allow those who are entering to enter. And I just wrote, the hardest thing in the world is to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the easiest thing to do is to enter the kingdom of heaven. And both of those things are true. It's easy because all it takes is for your heart to turn to God and to ask him to forgive you. That's easy. But it's also the hardest thing to do. To put your faith and hope completely in him. The scribes and Pharisees were driving people away. And we do the same thing today got four ways we do it number one some religious leaders do not preach the gospel some religious leaders today do not preach the gospel they're hypocrites and they're dangerous when I first moved to Sarnia we got a house right down the street like six doors down from the six doors down from the church and my next door neighbor was an Italian and a good Catholic Italian and I remember sharing the gospel with him. And he thought about it. So he went and talked to his priest about it. Because he wanted to know if he was in danger. And his priest said to him, You're okay. You have nothing to worry about. Now, I was afraid for Vince. And I thought, how sad. The priest should have said, well, Vince, if you believe in Jesus and you've given your life to him and that's really what's going on in your life, you're okay. But what he did is he goes, well, I guess you were baptized and you were confirmed and you got married in the church and you have been to confession once in the last five years. <laughs> you're okay. Religious leaders who make the gospel too hard or too easy are driving people away from the kingdom. Easy believism. All you have to do is say a prayer. I try not to do that. It's true that you're one prayer away from heaven. But to tell people that all you have to do is to say a prayer gets people to trust in the prayer. You don't trust in a prayer to save you. You trust in a person, in Jesus Christ. It's easy to say a prayer. It's hard to believe. Thirdly, we have religious leaders who do not believe themselves. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe he came out of the tomb. I was listening to, uh, I was listening to a debater this week, a Christian debater, and he debates other Christian scholars. And he said in the middle of the debate, all of a sudden, one of the other scholars turned and said to him, he said, no, wait just a second. You really believe that that tomb was empty? He couldn't believe that, that this Christian, Christian debater actually believes the tomb of Jesus was empty. 
this was a professor of New Testament. He couldn't believe anyone would believe that. By the way, we believe the tomb was empty. <laughs> there was no body there. Fourth, when religious leaders and laity do not give, live godly lives, we shut the door of heaven to people. And when preachers are caught doing immorality, we're shutting the doors of heaven. And when lay people are immoral, we're shutting the doors of heaven. When we use bad language and treat people unfairly, we're shutting the doors of heaven. How many of you have a verse 14 in your Bible? How many? Nobody has a Bible here with verse 14? Oh, one person. One person's got a King James. Oh, two, three. Okay. Verse 14 probably should not be in your text. However, it is found in both Mark and Luke. So it is in your Bible. It just shouldn't be in your Bible here. So probably what happened as a scribe was going through here, he thought, I know of, I know of other things where Jesus talks to the scribes and Pharisees, and he says this to them, but it's not found in Matthew, so they insert it. So I'm going to read it to you, even though it's not in Matthew. <laughs> uh, it is found in some of, the, some of the manuscripts, just none of the oldest ones. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Oh, by the way, this is my translation, so it sounds a little weird. Because you scarf down. I've never seen a translation use scarf down. You scarf down the homes of widows, and for pretense you pray long. Because of this you will receive greater judgment. My NIV translates Mark this way. They devour widows' homes, and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Number seven. Religious hypocrites harden their converts to a real relationship with God. Remember, it's about relationship with God. Not primarily rules. It's about relationship. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel the sea and the dry land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him a son of hell twice as bad as you. Number eight, religious hypocrites love loopholes for their behavior. And I think we'll pick that up next time about loopholes. Because uh, we like our loopholes too. And in fact, when I was a teenager, I wanted to study theology so I could learn the loopholes for myself. It seemed like all the preachers knew the loopholes, and I read my Bible, and I go, well, he's reading this, and he says, well, I don't really have to do that because of this. I go, I want to learn how to do that. <laughs> I'll give you a classic example, and then I've got a closing illustration. <laughs> the end of 1 Corinthians 14 says, Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Wow, that's pretty clear. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. I know a lot of churches that forbid speaking in tongues. And they have a loophole. <laughs> they come up with reasons. 
And I go, come on, guys. I go, you've got a clear text that tells you. A clear text talking about spiritual gifts tells you, do not forbid speaking in tongues. So you shouldn't come out and say, we forbid it. There might be something else you could say, like you have to have an interpreter, or this is not the time and this is not the place, but you can't come out and say, no speaking in tongues. Okay. Um, some, of my, some of my illustrations we'll keep for next week. Uh, let's see here. This comes from China. So the Chinese government has just cracked down on Christians, and uh, they are closing some churches. I think you might have seen the largest local church in Beijing. Um, they closed down because the government wanted to install cameras to see what they were doing in the church. And the church said, we will not install cameras in our church because that's dangerous to our people. So the government came and closed them down. A number of pastors in China then came out with a statement. And I'm going to read you their statement. Uh, these are the opposite of hypocrites, by the way. They're not just saying it. They're actually living this. Um, this is a joint statement by pastors, a declaration for the sake of the Christian faith. We are a group of Chinese Christians chosen by the Most High God to be his humble servants, serving as pastors for Christian churches throughout various towns and cities. We believe and are obligated to teach the world that the one true and living triune God is the creator of the universe, the world, and of all people. All men should worship God and not any man or thing. We believe and are obligated to teach the world that all men, from national leaders to beggars and prisoners, have sinned. They will die once and then be judged in righteousness Apart from the grace and redemption of God, all men would eternally perish. We believe and are obligated to teach the world that the crucified and risen Jesus is the only head of the global church, the sole savior of all mankind, and the everlasting ruler and supreme judge of the universe. To all who repent and believe in him, God will give eternal life and an eternal kingdom. In September 2017, the State Council issued the new regulations on the administration of religious affairs, began implementing these reg regulations in February 2018. Ever since then, Christian churches across China have suffered varying degrees of persecution, contempt, and misunderstanding from government departments during public worship and religious practices including various administrative measures that attempt to alter and distort the Christian faith. Some of these violent actions are unprecedented since the end of the Cultural Revolution. These include demolishing crosses, violently removing expressions of faith like crosses and couplets hanging on Christian homes, forcing and threatening churches to join religious organizations controlled by the government, forcing churches to hang the national flag, or to sing secular songs praising the state and political parties, banning the children of Christians from entering churches and receiving religious education, and depriving churches and believers of the right to gather freely. We believe that these unjust actions are an abuse of government power 
and have led to serious conflicts between political and religious parties in Chinese society. These actions infringe on the human rights of religion and conscience, violate the universal rule of law. We are obligated to announce bad news to the authorities and to all of society. God hates all attempts to suppress human souls. All acts of persecution against the Christian church, he will condemn and judge with righteous judgment. But we are even more obligated to proclaim good news to the authorities and to all of society. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, the Savior and King of mankind, in order to save us sinners, was killed, buried, rose from the dead by the power of God, destroying the power of sin and death. In his love and compassion, God has prepared forgiveness and salvation for all who are willing to believe in Jesus, including Chinese people. At any time, anyone can repent from any sin, turn to Christ, fear God, obtain eternal life, and bring great blessing from God upon his family and country. For the sake of faith and conscience, for the spiritual benefits of the authorities in China and of society as a whole, ultimately for the glory, holiness, and righteousness of God, we make the following declaration to the Chinese government and to all of society. Number one, they have four. Christian churches in China believe unconditionally that the Bible is the word and revelation of God. That's huge. Most Christian churches in Canada do not believe that. It is the source and final authority of all righteousness, ethics, and salvation. If the will of any political party, the laws of any government, or the commands of any man directly violate the teachings of the Bible, harming men's souls and, op and opposing the gospel proclaimed by the church, we are obligated to obey God rather than men. And we are obligated to teach all members of the church to do the same. Number two, Christian churches in China are eager and determined to walk the path of the cross of Christ and are more than willing to imitate the older generation of saints who suffered and were martyred for their faith. We are willing and obligated under any circumstance to face all government persecution, misunderstanding, violence, with peace, patience, and compassion. For when churches refuse to obey evil laws, it does not stem from any political agenda. It does not stem from resentment or hostility. It stems only from the demands of the gospel from a love for, and a love for Chinese. Number three, Christian churches in China are willing to obey authorities in China whom God has appointed and to respect the government's authority to govern society and human conduct. We believe and are obligated to teach all believers in the church that the authority of the government is from God and that as long as the government does not overstep the boundaries of secular power laid out in the Bible, does not interfere with or violate anything related to faith or soul, Christians are obligated to respect authorities, pray fervently for their benefit, and to pray earnestly for Chinese society. For the sake of the gospel, we are willing to suffer all external losses brought about by unfair law enforcement. Out of a love for our fellow citizens, we are willing to give up all of our earthly rights. That's huge. For this reason, we believe and are obligated to teach all believers that all true churches in China that belong to Christ must hold to the principle of the separation of church and state 
and must proclaim Christ as the sole head of the church. We declare that in matters of external conduct, churches are willing to accept lawful oversight by civil administration or other governments, but under no circumstances will we lead our churches to join a religious organization controlled by the government to register with the religious administration department or to accept any kind of affiliation. We will also not accept any ban or fine imposed on our churches due to our faith. For the sake of the gospel, we are prepared to bear all losses, even the loss of our freedom and our lives. They are not hypocrites. Living out their life uh, in obedience to Christ and putting their actions and their life where their mouth is. And we should be the same way. Let's close in prayer.